You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We've got Portuguese now. Gosh, now I have to learn Portuguese. My little Spanish tricks don't work as much. Okay. We're going to have a great time this morning. Yes, so um, I feel like this is my second home, so I'm among family here. And it's always great to preach and minister when you're with your family. And I really felt God give me this word, and it was off the back of some things that I went through. And how many people know that when you go through something and you allow God to do something in you, then the best gets poured out. And that's what I've seen happen through this message. So I'm going to preach a message this morning called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Don't worry. Be happy. And I know that joy comes from the Lord, but he also cares about our happiness too. And there's a way, there is a way to not live our lives in worry and anxiousness and fear and trembling, but there is a way to live our life in peace, that the chaos around us does not have to be the chaos in us. And um, I'm going to share a couple of verses. Uh, The Bible says in Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all, somebody say all. All who trust in you, all, say all. All All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And then in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, be anxious for nothing. Somebody say nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So the Bible is telling us that we can trust the Lord with all of our heart, and we can be anxious for nothing. Somebody say all and nothing. How many people know that all means all? It's not like partial. It's not like, how do we live a life where we are anxious for nothing and we trust God in all things? We're going to break it down this morning because it's really clear the Bible says there's no caveats. Like there's no addendums. There's no exception. It's not like, well, you went through a divorce. Well, you suffered a loss. You get a pass. There are no passes. The Bible says even though we go through pain, trials, real life situations, and real life, there is a way to live a life of peace. A few years ago, a professor at a leading American university studied the things that people worry about. Are you ready? Take a deep breath. His research discovered that 40% of what people worry about are things that will never happen. 30% of the concerns are the concerns of the past. 12% are needless worries about health. 10% are about petty issues. And 8% are legitimate concerns. That means that 92% of our worry time is what's called wasted energy. It could take up a whole lot of space in our world, but it's a waste. I want to talk today... It's going to include the 92%, but I want to actually speak to the 8%. What do we do when there's legitimate concerns? 
when we have legitimate fears, when real life happens to you and I, how can we still trust God in all things and be anxious for nothing? There is a way. The Bible, I love Jesus because he is never changing. Do you know, his goodness never changes. Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. The Bible says, but remain faithful to the covenant with you. So everything in our world can change around us, but we have an unchanging, faithful God. We have an unchanging, loving God. We have an unchanging, good God. Okay. Um, so how do we do this? How do we keep our peace? How do we not turn to a vice? How do we not turn to an addiction? Because if we're going to anything that is not of God, it's simply just saying, illuminating, giving us a little alarm bell that something on the inside of us is hurt. That there's a real pain that we need to face and we want to, uh, you know, if we're here today, we want to heal. We want to live in such a way that we're not running to a vice and running to these things, but we're running to the heart of Jesus. But how many people know, like, medicating whatever hurt and pain just brings on more problems? It's not the real deal. It's not the real source. So we've got to deal with these real legitimate life storms and concerns. And I know a little something about legitimate concerns, legitimate fears, um, a couple of years ago, I went to New Zealand, and um, if you were here during conference, this is when I went prior to the time. I'm going to tell you a different story than at conference. I've got some good New Zealand stories. Um, but a couple of years ago, I went to New Zealand with two of my friends, and we just wanted an adventure. And we went to a place called Rotorua in New Zealand. Rotorua is known as the adrenaline junkie capital of the world. This is where they invented bungee jumping. Um, and there's like no, like their laws are not like the laws of America. So you can do anything, but like your life is in your hands. They make you sign like a billion papers like, yeah, you're responsible with whatever happens here. And, um, and so my friends and I were like, well, let's each choose an excursion. Like let's choose something we would really want to do. So I chose whitewater rafting. And I love whitewater rafting. We went on like level or grade four. We went down seven waterfalls. Um, one where it sucks you all the way under and pops you back up. And I'm like, yes, I'm all about it. I loved it. I'm like, worst that can happen. You fall out, you swim. Like, this is fine. And so we have the best time. It's so fun. My other friend, she chooses, which I don't really think is a grand adventure. I'm like, this is the adrenaline junkie capital of the world. And we went to Hobbiton, Lord of the Rings, where they filmed. Okay. But I actually really enjoyed it because it's one of the most stunningly beautiful places on the planet. Gorgeous. And so I really enjoyed my time there. And then my other friend, she chose to go to the Blackwater Caves, and they were known for, it's called Glowworm Caves. And there's only like two or three places in all of the world where they have these caves that light up. And she was like, we've got to go. We're going to be in New Zealand. So I'm like, okay, awesome. I'm thinking Lazy River, tubing, like this is going to be fun. Sure, let's do that. So we go. So can you show the first picture? This is us smiling, happy, pumped on life. Here's the thing, though. When we arrive, they put us in a van, and they start taking us to the top of a mountain. And I'm kind of confused because I'm like, you know, water is below. So why are we going up? And then the tour guide was very much like the Holy Spirit. He was like, I'm not going to tell you everything. 
you just need to follow me. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're not the Holy Spirit, and I don't know if I can trust or follow you. And he wouldn't budge and would not tell us anything. And so I'm like, okay. So we go up to the top of a mountain, and then they're, like, putting all this gear on us. They're like, here's your gear. There's a wetsuit under those weird clothes. Like, here's your, you know, I'm like, what is all of this for? Like, we're getting in water and tubing. Like, why am I in all of this? And, of course, they're not telling us. So I'm like, okay. So we've got our hard hats on, and we've got all this stuff. And all of a sudden, we get to this little opening that you see. Yep. And they, um, they say, we're lowering you down into the water. And once you get into the water, you go to the side, and your inner tube is going to be waiting there. This is, I don't know how many stories down. I'm like, Okay, um, all right. And so they, they lower us down. We've got to figure out the gadgets, which is what I was most worried about. I'm not technology-like inclined at all uh, or technical. And so I'm like, Ugh. so I figure it out, get to the bottom, get dropped into the water, go get the, the inner tube. And then we get there, and the tour guide's like, I'm like, wow, this water, like, you can't see in it. He's like, yeah, these are the black water. We're going in the black water caves. And so everything's going to be pitch black. And you're going to get in the inner tube, and what you need to do is we're going to go through these caves, and, and you're just going to, if you hit to the left or to the right, you know, the rocks and stuff, just push yourself off. You're going to get to the end to where we're going. And I'm, like, looking around. I'm like, is there anything in this water? Thinking he's going to say no. He's like, well, there's eels in the water. I'm like, Eels are in the water? Like eels? I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm in black water, eels. It's pitch black. He's like, they're not going to hurt you. You're going to be fine. I'm like, okay. And so we get into the inner tubes. We go thrashing through the black so it's not everything's pitch black. Finally, we pop out in this little clearing area, and he's like, okay, everybody sit down. Here, this loud noise happens, and then this beautiful moment, if you could show the next photo. Okay. These are the glowworm caves, so stunningly gorgeous. So we're lying there. We're tired. We're like, we don't know what just happened, but we're here and alive. And so... He starts telling the story of the glowworms, and then he's like, they're not actually glowworms. They're maggots. And I'm like, I'm lying under thousands and thousands of maggots? Like, if they fall, are they going to eat my flesh? Like, well, I've got eels, I've got maggots. I am not a happy camper. And then he's like, okay, it's all beautiful. All right, now grab your tube. Now we're going to go back up. I'm like, what do you mean we're going back up? Is this thing not circular? We have to go upstream? I'm already tired. They're like, yeah. And he's like, don't worry. Don't worry, Stacy. You know what? The water's about, you know, waist deep. And I'm like, you're six foot five. The water's about waist deep to you? It's right here to me. I am wading through the eel water. Getting to the, the, and you could show, like, there's another picture of my friend, like, we're crawling through, like, all the stones and the, like, these teeny spaces, like, crawling through, then getting into the water, then the whole nine yards. Anyways, we finally, I'm so tired. You can feel my pain. I still feel it. And so uh, we finally get to where we started, and I'm like, okay, lift us up. And he goes, oh, no, we don't lift you up. You have to climb. Show the next picture. Okay. Okay. Now, listen, this body, I'm like, look, don't, don't pretend my curves are athleticism. Because they're not. 
and I'm so tired. So when I say I don't want to do this, it's like I don't want to do this. Like, and I don't think that I can for real. Like, not like, hey, it's going to be tough, and at the end I'm going to be so happy. No, like, I don't think I can do this. And so he's like, here's the thing. You're going to need to climb. Now just use your, don't use all your arm strength. You've got to use your leg muscle because if you use all your arm strength, you're going to run out. You won't be able to get to the top. And then he's like, you've got these ropes, and I'm going to be at the top. Now if whatever happens, if you feel like you're going to fall, don't pull the second rope because that's me, and you'll kill me. And I'm like, wow. So my life is in my hands, and your life is in my hands, and I don't think I can climb this mountain. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. And so I argue for about 45 minutes straight trying to get myself out of this and, like, please, like, get somebody. And they're like, we can't. This, you have to do this. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And so finally... I start the climb. Now remember, tired, wetsuit. We've got boots up to here that have filled up with water because you're coming up out of the river. Like, and I'm like, of course, clawing my way. I mean, like, my fingertips are bleating. I'm using my arm strength so much. I have forgotten about my legs. I get to the halfway up, and there's that curvature. And, like, this isn't like the mall. Like, there's no place for your little foot. Like, this is real. And I'm like, you've got to, like, bend back and throw yourself forward. And I'm like, okay. And at that point, I was like, Jesus, if you want me to live, like, I think that you have a pretty big destiny for me, and I think some things are not fulfilled yet, but I'm going to need you to send the angels, because I cannot do this. And I literally just remember closing my eyes, pitch black, and just closing my eyes and launching myself and praying to Jesus himself that my foot would catch. And I feel like an angel must have me lifted me up high. And I, I made it to the top, you guys. I made it out alive. Yeah. I say all of that to say that in life, we don't choose our own excursions. We don't choose our own pain excursion. We don't decide which pain is going to be acceptable to me in my life. We don't know what the life is going to throw at us. God has a beautiful plan and a destiny for us, but the devil is relentlessly trying to steal it. And we don't know what journey of pain we are going to go on. And many of you like me are like, I didn't choose this. I didn't choose the relationship not working out. I didn't choose the death in my family. I didn't choose this, this, this horrible disease. God, why would this be my Why would this be my pain? And yet God tells us that there is a way to have peace through every single storm, regardless of the pain that has come with it. Point number one, and we're going to run through these real quick. Peace is not external. It's internal. Can I tell you this? That peace is a person. Peace is the person of Jesus. How awesome that you're not reaching out into airy fairy land. But when you close your eyes and you begin to pray, there is a person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we can reach out to that is our source of peace. Our source of peace comes through the person of Jesus. Peace is not found in things. Peace is not found at the end of a destination. Peace is not found in no external conflict. Peace is not promised that storms and things won't happen to us. Peace is not even a clear doctor's report. Peace is not when there is no conflict in relationship. Peace is the knowledge of the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us 
through the storm, through the relationship, through the conflict, through that thing that we have gone through. Peace is the fact that there is the Holy Spirit inside of us that walks us out. And you cannot manufacture peace. You can't fake it. You can't make it up. You can't just, well, I'm going to put peace on its peace. No, you actually have to believe in the person of Jesus for peace to come. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, now may the Lord of peace himself. Jesus is peace. The Lord of peace himself, a person, give you peace at all times and in every way. Peace is produced by the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways of knowing that we have the Holy Spirit is that when we go through conflict, there is peace that the Bible says surpasses all understanding. How is it? I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. And yet peace. Why? Because that's a fruit of the Spirit. Peace, joy, love. Peace is one of them. So we know we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us when we go through that thing and we're like, how am I doing this? And the world looking at us and going, how is she doing that? She's going through the same thing I'm going through. And yet there is a peace because it's produced by the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit. It's a gift that God has given us. So if we have a lack of peace in our life, we have to ask ourselves, do we have a lack of Jesus? I'm just going to let that sit. Number two, peace is a promise. Peace is a promise. When we find ourselves like Job, and he says in Job 3.25 and 6, says, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. Okay, that's real. Job isn't pretending that it didn't happen. Can I tell you that? When real life stuff happens, we don't pretend that it didn't happen. We don't just go, well, that didn't happen. I can move forward. No, we have to acknowledge the fact that it actually happened. And now what are we going to do with that? we got to release it. we got to let that thing go. we got to work our way through it. It's an acknowledgement. But peace is a promise. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust on you, all who thoughts are fixed on you. The word keep means to guard, to protect, or to maintain. It's actually a military term. And it means to protect a camp or protect a castle. And the enemy is not able to get in when God's promise of peace protects us. So we have God as our guard. He's the guardian of peace. So we have nothing to fear. So even when we don't have the answers, we're like, okay. But there is the God. There is the promise of peace. Job didn't know that a deal was done in, in the spiritual. He didn't know that Satan was asking to sift him like wheat. And he didn't know that God said, I'll allow it because I know what's in Job. I know what I placed in that man. I know the faith and the belief in God. He will not renounce me even if you do all of these things. Job was not privy to that conversation. All Job knows is the world has gone mad and every horrible thing has happened to me. He has devastation, loss. He loses his family. He loses his livestock. He loses his finances. He loses his friendships. He doesn't know, but how many of us, just like Job, we don't know the end of our story. Why? Because it is still being written, friends. God has an ending for us. There is a way through and a way out and a beautiful ending to our story, but we're just in the middle of it. So if you're in the middle of a storm and a situation, it's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning. It is still being written. We can have perfect peace. 
That verse there says, you will keep in perfect peace. If you look up the original translation of perfect peace, in the Bible it was originally written as shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Because the word perfect is not in the original manuscript. It simply means shalom, which means more. This is what, if you look up the definition, shalom, this is the noun. It means more than peace. It means wholeness, wellness, well-being, safe, happy, friendly, favor, completeness, to make peace, a peace offering, secure to prosper, to be victorious, to be content, tranquil, quiet, and restful. Shalom. That's a whole lot. When we're saying perfect peace, we're saying full restoration. There's a completeness of God. So how do we keep God's promise of perfect peace? Point number three. To keep perfect peace, we set our minds on God and not the problem. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace. In shalom, shalom. Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Here's what I began to realize. We can only focus on a God that we actually trust. How do we focus our mind on something we don't actually, truly, fully believe? The only way that we can focus our mind, like the verse says, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Can I ask the question today, what is it? What is it that we don't trust God with? If we are shaking in our boots, if fear has come upon us, if we, are, we don't have peace, what is it? What is a part of me that has not believed that God is actually good and that he's good to me? And I began to realize that most people on the planet have grown up with a poor picture of a good heavenly father because they've grown up sometimes without a good example of an earthly father. And people uh, have done the best that they can, but many have been born and grown up in a dysfunctional, broken home. And they maybe have not had the picture of what a good father, a father who protects, a father who brings security, a father who believes in the person, a father who takes pride in who you are. If you don't grow up with that kind of a security, then it is hard to make the jump from an earthly father that has possibly failed you to a God who all-consuming loves you and has the best intent for you. So I began to realize that we have got to heal in the relationships that we have grown up in so that we can get a better picture of our heavenly father, that we can get past the brokenness of our history and our past and our childhood and begin to trust in a God who is for us. And um, for me, I know it's true because I'm one of the examples of what it's like to grow up in a healthy home. And I have realized over the years that that has been a great responsibility and blessing in my life, that I have grown up with a father and a mother who loved me, that have been married over 35 years, that yes, we have our faults and every family goes through stuff, but at the core, they love God and they love each other. And so I grew up in a beautiful, healthy home. And I can remember one day I um, had... I was in college and I was working at Chili's Bar and Grill, uh, waiting tables, 
during college. And uh, my parents came to visit me. And my parents are missionaries in Ecuador. And they had come and they were visiting. And so they were like, you know what, I'm going to go to where you work. You know, you wait on us. I'm like, okay. And so they came to Chili's Bar and Grill. And I waited on them. And while I did, there was all my managers and all my coworkers were going up. And they were all chatting with my parents. And afterwards, I sat down with my parents. And I'll never forget, my dad looked at me and he said, Stacy, I am so proud of who you are. And he said, I'm not just proud of what you do. He said, but while I was sitting here, your manager, all the employees, they came in and they were telling me that you've been a light in their life. That when you come into the restaurant, that, that it's like light breaks out and joy comes and that you've brought a peace here that they didn't feel before. And he said, I want to tell you, I'm not just proud of your accomplishments. If you never did anything, I am proud of who you are. And I want to tell you this morning, if you didn't grow up with a dad or a mom that told you those things, could I stand in proxy for you? I want to look at you in the eye and tell you if you never heard that before, that God loves you, that he takes pride in you, not in the things that you do, not in how you do them, but who you are. Because God designed you first. He was the first father in your life. He is the perfect father. He designed you perfectly. And he loves you. And he cares about you. And he wants peace that only comes from him the designer, the creator of you. You were his original intent. And when he created you, he liked you. And he called you good. And he called you perfect. He loves you. And I began to realize more and more that when we start to get a revelation of a God who loves us, even in our brokenness, even in our pain, even in our dysfunction, and all the things that he loves us, I am telling you that there is a trust that begins to form in a Jesus who loves us, that we can live the rest of our life in peace. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the God of peace which transcends all understanding, will guard you, will protect you, your hearts and your mind. How beautiful. So our mind stays focused on Jesus, but he doesn't just take care of our mind. He also takes care of our heart. Will protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is a peace that transcends every understanding. My last point is point number four. Turn every anxious thought or worry into a prayer. And honestly, if you didn't get anything from this message, get this. This changed my life. This really did change my life. Because we can practice peace. That's what the Bible says in Philippians 4.9 in the Amplified Version. The things which you have leaned and received, learned and received, and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And that God, who is the source, the person of Jesus, of peace and well-being, will be with you. So this is what I have found. That we need to practice peace until it comes. Well, how do I practice peace? Let me explain. When the situation happens, when the fear comes, when the worry and anxiety, we can't control necessarily what comes to us, can we? we can control what we do with it. And so when that worry comes, instead of letting that worry hit us and going on a journey we never wanted to go on that leads us to a very bad place, when the worry comes, we simply transition it to a prayer. So the worry comes, 
We don't deny it. We don't pretend that it's not there. We don't stuff it down deep because at some point those feelings are buried alive. And at some point those feelings are to come out usually at the wrong time and an inappropriate time. So instead in real life time, when that worry comes up, we look at it in the face and we go, worry, you are not from God. You're, you're not because, because God is peace. So how can worry be God? It's not. That comes from a different source. So we go, no, no, no. So we recognize that, okay, what I'm going through, God, this hurts. This hurts, God. God, I give it to you. Heal me now. I've done this over and over in my life. When a real situation happens, I had to learn after breaking out and a whole bunch of deliverance, I had to learn how to face real-life feelings. God gives us feelings. He gives us a spectrum of emotion, but we need to know what to do with them. We don't just say feelings come and take over, worry, fear, oh, no. We look at them in the face and we go, no, no. Okay, worry and fear. Okay, that thing that's happening, God, I give it to you. Say it in your own words. The Bible says that God is like closer than, than a friend, closer than a brother. How do you talk to a brother? Pretty real. I ain't banking anything with my siblings. I got three of them, I know. When we talk to God, it's how we talk to a friend. God, I don't know how to deal. I can't believe this happened. God, help me now. God, heal me now. If we get healed in present time, then we don't have to wait 10 years to get to the bottom of our, our bucket. We can just go on that path of healing and that journey. There's times and there's places for that. But I'm telling you, I learned this, and it so changed my life. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing and in everything and all things by prayer and supplication, by prayer. And the Bible says, pray at all times and in every way. How do you do that? Well, the Holy Spirit's in us all times. When we receive the Father, we also receive His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit that is with us always. So all we have to do in any moment is go, I acknowledge that you're there. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for bringing peace to me. This is what's pretty crazy. The word anxious means that which divides, distracts the mind, and which draws a troubled person into different directions. If you are divided, double-minded, that's called torment and chaos. Anybody felt like they're going crazy? Yeah, because we are. Like we are. When our mind is divided in all these different things, this hurt, this pain, and now there's more division and more division and more torment and all these things come, and I feel crazy. I am because I was never designed to let there be a divide. I was designed to be made whole by Jesus himself, by the peace that surpasses all understanding. I was designed to be whole. It is the devil's playground because the average person has 12,000 separate thoughts each day. That works to over 4 million thoughts a year. Of course that's where the devil attacks us in our mind. Of course he comes to our mind and tells us this isn't real. Don't do this. Do this. Of course because he wants to divide. And if he divides that he can come in and take root and create blockages and bondages. No, we need to have wholeness in the name of the Lord. And this message is how I know this message is from Jesus. I wound up looking up and going kind of deep in that word shalom that we talked about, perfect peace. And the pictographic symbol, so the original language before they had language, they had pictures. Um, the symbol for the word shalom is shin, lamb, vav, and mem. And it reads like this, destroy the authority that binds to the mind. You put that picture up. 
destroys the authority that binds to the mind. God knew that's where the devil would attack us. And I'll step aside, so if you want to take a photo, you can. I know a lot of people take photos. This, this is what the devil tries to do. Attach, destroy, divide our minds. The devil is a thief. Well, it's awesome because now we know his strategy. So we can do something about it. This is why it's so important for us to take captive, the Bible says, of every thought. So that's what we do, plain and simple. How do we have renewal of the mind like the Bible talks about? Just like I said, that worry, that fear, that storm that comes to us, we simply shift it from what's coming to us and we shift that into a prayer and we go, God, help me. God, minister to me. God, take care of that situation. God, you're a better judge than I am. God, thank you that you take care of my reputation. God, thank you that you take care of that family member. God, thank you that even this broken relationship you can mend and make whole again. God, thank you that even though my promise is being delayed, you are a very good God and that you have the best intent for me and for my life. God, even though all these horrible things seem to happen, that is not you. That is not your plan. That is the demonic strategy of the devil. And I will not stand divided. I will stand in completeness and in wholeness to a God that loves me. He loves me. He loves you. He loves us. Can everybody stand to their feet right now? He loves us more than what you learn and are taught this morning, would you catch what is on my life? The fact that God loves me. The fact that God loves you so completely, so holy. He loves you so much that he is even good for the big stuff and the big storms, just like in Job's life. That he could look at Job and knows, hey, son, you're going to come out strong. Son, what Job didn't know was that God was going to give him double for his trouble. That he even extended his life to 140 years, the average age 70, right, of death. He said, God says, no, you're going to live another 70 years because you're going to know what it's like to live blessed. What it's like to live with favor. What it's like to live in the blessing of God, to eat of the fruit of the land. God knows how to bring that about, and he wants it for you. So just like us, we don't know, and I don't know your story, but God does. And he's got blessing, and he's got favor to the rest of your story. I know that with every fiber of my being because it's who God says that he is. I want us just to close our eyes. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask a couple, ask us to come forward on a couple of altar calls. The space up front here is called an altar, and it's just where our lives are altered. It's where God shifts and changes some things. And can that happen in our seats? Absolutely. But I believe in the power of stepping out and stepping into. I think it's nice to have a symbolic, hey, I'm going to step out of the old and into the new. And so I'm going to call a couple of different things out, just one at a time. And if one of those things really um, touches you, then um, can you keep that one? Um, if one of those things touch you, then, then just come forward. If you're like, yep, you know what? That's me. That's me. And it'll be for a, a lot of us. The Bible says in Psalm 55, 22, so here is what I've learned through it all. This is David speaking. So here is what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and all your anxieties at the feet of the Lord. And measureless grace will strengthen you goes on to say, my life's hope 
and trust is in you, Jesus, and you'll never fail to rescue me. Do you know that we can sleep at night because the Bible says that God neither sleeps nor slumbers so that we can? Some of you have been living in torment and you can't even sleep at night. I believe with all of my heart that when torment leaves, peace comes and you sleep peacefully at night. I believe every person should be able to sleep at night and wake up refreshed. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. That means while you are sleeping, while you are regenerating, in the spirit, God is blessing you. God is pouring out his anointing over you. The Bible says he neither sleeps, he neither slumbers because he's ministering deep on the inside of you. And how good of the devil to try to ruin our day and ruin our night so we don't wake up refreshed. But I'm telling you, there is a place of peace. And actually, if that's you, you can't sleep at night or you're tormented or darkness comes in the evening, just come forward. We're going to break that stuff off of you tonight, today, so that you can break free and live, sleep peacefully at night. Yeah, just come forward. Come forward. There's going to be people, if you don't sleep at night, if anxiousness, if concerns, if fears starts bubbling over in your mind, we're going to break that stuff off. If you would say in this place, you know what, Stacey, I... I kind of get a little bit about what you're talking about, but I've never really received the person of Jesus. I haven't fully trusted in God. My belief has been in part, but today I want to believe in full. If that's you, would you also come forward? I'm going to pray a prayer over to you to receive the fullness of who God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to fill your life. If that is you, just begin to get out of your seat and come forward. God has fullness of life. Yeah, just come out, come forward. He's got fullness and completeness for you. Just come forward. And lastly, if you grew up in a home and you would say, you know what, mom or dad or single parent home or whatever the case might be, did the best they could. But if I were honest, I got hurt through that all, and I don't know if I live the life that God has designed for me because of the brokenness that I experienced or because of the broken relationship with mom or with dad or with family. Just come forward. We're going to pray over you that today you would have encounter with your perfect father, that maybe that example on earth wasn't the best, but God himself will show himself approved because he is. And you may not be able to cling to an earthly father or mother, but you can cling to the heart of Jesus and he will bring you through. He is a good dad. He's a good dad. So I'm going to start off and we're going to receive the fullness of who God is in our life and believe and trust him completely. And we're going to break the rest off and then we're going to fill us up with the Holy Ghost. And we can do all of that in like three minutes. So we're good. Everybody lift your hands to heaven. Lifting our hands to heaven is a sign of surrender. They did it in the battlefield. But here in this battle, when we surrender, we win. We are victorious. So let's lift our hands to heaven. We are surrendering our thought life our earthly life to God himself. And I want you to repeat, let's just all repeat in the room this prayer to receive of Jesus fully in this place so that when we walk out of here, we know that not only is our eternity reconciled and we will be with our Savior forever, but also while we're here on earth, that we will live in the land of the living and the goodness of God will come upon us because we are made whole and complete in him. So just receive, just um, say after me, I receive 
Come on, let's hear everybody. I receive the Father who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to take care of my sins. I receive Jesus who died and was resurrected to save my soul. And I receive the Holy Spirit who Jesus said that would be with me always, even to the end of the ages. I receive the fullness of what Jesus died for, that I would have life and life in abundance. I receive the fullness of his grace. In his name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's hear a big cheer. God is good. God is good. Now lift your hands to heaven. This is where we're going to leave all of the junk at the foot of the cross because the moment we get saved is the beginning of a journey that will last into eternity. But while we are on earth, I am telling you, I want you to don't worry, be happy. I want you to don't worry, be happy. I want you to have peace that surpasses understanding. So we're going to stand together in faith and we are going to tell that enemy, the devil, to get off of our minds, the attachments to unhealthy things off of our minds so that we can sleep well, that we can live life well in the name of Jesus and your responsibility as I begin to pray is simply to look to Jesus your Savior you look to Jesus the one who saves you and I'm telling you as belief rises up in your heart and soul the devil leaves you let it go and then you let the peace of your Savior come so right now in the name of Jesus I take authority over every demon that has been messing with these people I take authority over tormenting beliefs and ways of thinking and paradigm that has brought destruction. I pray against unhealthy attachments in the name of Jesus and I break them off. I tell you to leave devil right now. You leave their minds. You leave their minds right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to you demons of torment, telling them lies and curses. I break and I reverse the curse in the name of Jesus. I declare right now that the devil leaves every demon that has been trying to rob, steal, and destroy. You are broken. You are bound. You leave in the name of Jesus. You run from these people. You run from their minds. I declare right now and I thank you, oh God, that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that right now, as every demon in hell and in earth leaves these people alone and runs for the hills, Lord, I thank you that right now we replace, Lord, that space with your peace that surpasses all understanding. I speak to those areas in your mind and your heart that have felt so damaged and so hurt by what we have lived through. We acknowledge the pain, the grief, the things that have happened in our lives, but oh Jesus, we bring them to you. Jesus, you can do something about it. Lord, we bring the pain. We bring the grief. We bring the situation. We bring the person. We release in the name of Jesus. We let go of 
of. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that you were there. Lord, that you were there. That even though the devil was messing with us, you were there, oh God, and you protected us because we are here. We have survived. So, Lord, I thank you right now that we will go from surviving to thriving. Lord, that we would not just eke our way through life, but we will thrive. That we will be all consumed by the love of our Savior so much so that any other vice will not even have appeal because we so love, because we so trust, because we so have peace that surpasses all understanding. Lift your hands to heaven. I am telling you right now that peace is here because Jesus is here. I feel his anointing in this place. Oh, Lord, we receive. We receive of you this morning. We receive your peace. Peace. Calm in the storm. Lord, you say to the storm, you simply speak, and that storm leaves in the name of Jesus. And I see what looks like little rain clouds over people. I see it leaving, disappearing. The rain comes. The rainbows come. The promises of heaven. That darkness leaves. That it's all gone. And I just see that in replace of the cloudy, dark clouds, I just see rainbows above you. And rainbows for the right reason. For the fact that the promise of God has come to you. The promise of Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.